welcome everyone to the OG podcast. Today, for the second time, I have my friend from comedy, Ramin Majgani. How are we doing, guys? Caleb, it's great to be back on. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to talk about everything. Yes. We have, should we start with comedy or should we start with Kanye? I'm down for either. Okay, Kanye. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. I love Kanye, dude. He can say whatever about the Jews. I'm still looking forward to that STEM player at Christmas. You think he's still going to be making music? Just kidding. Um, Yeah, I think it's... He says it himself. He, like, loses money on music, but he still does it to stay relevant because that's, like, his biggest voice creatively. That's his outlet. I think, yeah, he has a lot going on. I th- as someone who's such a big fan, like, I just have the patience and I'm willing to sit through and have more tolerance for maybe things that he says. I also like people are so angry with him. Yeah, of course. He's saying a bunch of insensitive shit. Me growing up, like I've gotten a lot of shit. I was bullied. So there's a certain point when you get bullied so much, you let words affect you less. You let them hold less weight because you learn that about yourself. It's like, I don't need to sit through this or feel like this. So me personally, I just have a very, very high tolerance for what people say. And also like, look at where he's coming from too. He's expressing like a lot of hatred, frustration, anger towards a certain community because he's been wronged by people of that community. Um, And he's conflating it with like a whole religion when really just like two or three people probably. Absolutely. Two or three people. He made like an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, there notoriously are a lot of Jewish people in entertainment. But I mean, again, it's not. So, okay. So it's like even if you take it one step further. Right, like, where's the hatred coming from? He's mad at these people. They happen to be Jewish, but also because they fucked him over. They fucked his family over. They like stripped his family away from him. They screwed up his contracts. Yeah, they have influence and power. See, this is what I've been wanting to get into. That a lot of shit. I haven't heard him talk about. So has he talked about what his actual kind problem of, with the Jews are? He's or, uh, or like no, that, it's just, the I mean, conflicts he's had. It's all. It's just mainly like he, a lot of people in the position of power who write contracts in like the record label. Uh, record labels happen to be Jewish. Um, and he's just like highlighted some people who are Jewish, but also these people who like exploit their power to take advantage of artists, so on and so forth. But again, it's like, okay, so if you look at psychology, regardless of if they're Jewish or not, it's been shown that people in positions of power exert power when they're able to do it. Um, citing like the Stanford Pilgrim experience, no, the Stanley Milgram. The U.S. government and vaccines. Yeah. Yeah, Stanley Milgram experience and the Stanford Prism experience, uh, experiments. So people in positions of power exert power over other people. Do you want to just cite the study or not, you know, like... Well, yeah, I mean, that's what the conclusion was, I said, from the Stanford Prison experiments and the Stanley Milgram experience. uh, Yeah, where, like, they had two groups of college students and they brought them in. They made one the jailers and one the prisoners, and then the jailers just, like, abused the prisoners. Yeah, pretty much is what happens. So it's like, are these people, like, abusing their power because they're jewish or because they're they have human power. yes you know what i mean because they're yeah, human right probably the latter the science supports the latter but they also just happen to be jewish it's a very good point um, i need to listen to actually yeah it's just it's a weird coincidence but it's like they happen to be jewish and he's just very frustrated so he's taken out his anger on that community abuse of power is so human yeah abuse of power is very human i agree that's a great insight yeah so he's upset at these people and he has maybe been wronged like you were saying that they messed with some contracts or they ripped up at his family or something yeah well uh, yeah that's i mean he talks about it i again only have like a little bit of insight and speculation but like one example of the family thing is like he's married to kim kardashian and is the, he still no not anymore he was married to kim kardashian and they're 
of a very influential, powerful family, and they have ties with the Clintons, so they're very democratic, and a lot of their views that they support are typically democratic and liberal. So when Kanye wore the MAGA hat, there was a lot of pressure from Kim and the family for him to like stop wearing the hat mm-hmm. because it doesn't like support the views and it it does injustice to like. Don't you feel like he is almost the same type of contrarian that you might find in a comedian where he's almost just saying this shit because you know he doesn't want people to hear it or whatever. He, he says knows. things just to say it. And I think yeah. it's so important about freedom of speech is sometimes people just need to say things to say it in order to express a feeling or emotion. We know whenever you hear something or whatever somebody says and it's an expression of how they feel or what they're thinking. So you have to take that into account. Especially like, so think about like, why is he saying all this anti-Semitic stuff towards Jewish people is because probably because he felt like he's been wrong by members of the Jewish community. He's doing it very poorly, like non elegantly where he's expressing his concerns, but he's just doing it because of he's doing like huge broad strokes and just like, he's like throwing a fit. He's upset. Yeah. And that's his mind. And he has a right to think that way. And it's like, people need like people are taking advantage of him on the media and they're manipulating him because he doesn't have good advisors. Clearly, and but it's so ironic because if you look at the stuff he's t- it's ironic to me because if you look at the stuff at what he's talking about it's like i have been wronged in contracts where i've been financially taken advantage of um you know and that was like that's terrible that's awful people do that with other artists too where it's like they take advantage of what they offer them and they have like things in the small print where they're able to get through loopholes yeah, back and manipulate to, like, them take back their money. Yeah, there's yeah. a whole... I don't know the specifics logistics. Yeah. I've just heard things. But he claims that people, like, got, you know, stole from him in that way. Yeah, and then it's also, like, you know, they're, what they do to the black community, also, like, the messages they're portraying, like, what they want their artists to rap about. Like, also, there's this one thing with Juice World where his girlfriend said that before he died, record labels were trying to coerce him with, like, drugs and really yeah and sex and stuff like that so just I have weird a connection to him but i can't remember what weird it is. stuff like that but the industry i don't know it's very toxic to me it seems and ultimately it seems like he's very just frustrated and done with the bullshit and he's articulating it in a very poor way very terrible but yeah. because it's like he's saying all these crazy things that's going on and he's just like Oh, like Jewish people, like everyone's focusing on like, hey, like that's offensive versus like what he like, why is he upset? What is going on? But nobody's paying any mind or attention to that because they're only playing clips level. and I'm guilty of it, too. But they're only playing clips of his like worst moments. Yeah. And they're not paying attention to like, what is the root? What is he trying to express? And it's probably something real in terms of like money being stolen in contracts. Yeah. And whatever undue influence. I've heard that that there's some kind of influence from the Jewish community into music. I don't know. And like, again, that gets equated because I don't these people happen to be the Jewish. They happen to be Jewish. They happen to be Jewish, but they're also just people in positions of power. So it's not like it's power. favoring one community. It's, no, I think if if think of if, okay. let's say it wasn't the Jewish people. Let's say it was like I don't know Muslims. White, Muslims. Mormons. Well, yeah, it doesn't, but let's say they're blue people. Mormons. Yeah, let's pick on the Mormons. Well, the Mormons. I can represent whoever them. you want to pick on, whoever you want to put in that place. Yeah. Like that person is still gonna abuse their power because it's by human nature. Like we're all human. It's by, yeah. it's it's embedded in a lot of psychology. But I think ultimately what we need to think about is how can we take accountability for what he's saying, not 
you know, just get swayed by surface level shit that he's saying and like read into what he's actually saying and where it's coming from. He's getting and then understanding like how we can move forward or like what needs to be resolved in order for like this frustration or craziness to go away. I think that for any issue that's going on, people yeah. in general need to have more accountability for what they're hearing and not what, learn to what take What he it needs defense. is somebody who's going to give him the time and space to fully extract his problem because people are so quick to intervene with his crazy statements just let him talk let him yeah. say whatever he's gonna say let him, obviously he wants to speak right he keeps going on these talk shows mm -hmm. let him speak for like three hours continuously whatever he does on the lex freeman podcast he that's true he, yeah. so he has been given that time and space and he kind of sucks at communicating it <laughs> and so he's like communicating everything poetically and emotionally and not rationally and specifically yeah like kind we of. well it's, well yeah i mean yes 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 but it's also like he speaks for three hours and then you get like a 10 second clip of being like i love hitler you know what i mean and i feel like that is that contrarian aspect of him where he's he's just doing the opposite of what people want him to do well i get where he's coming from with the Hitler thing well I kind of the way I resonate with it is because someone who, I also hate the Jews <laughs> well no it's not that it's okay somebody who has like such a high capacity for hatred like if you think about why somebody would be so malicious so violent so hateful so angry like is it because they were wronged you know what they're doing is an expression of how Even they feel so obviously what they're feeling on the inside is like unbelievably fucked up and it's like, how do we understand what's going on so that we can create change and create positivity and spark positivity? What if Hitler was just a pussy? Like, what if it wasn't that bad? What if he got like dissed by one guy and then he like threw up, a, you know, flipped the whole board over? Probably, but it's yeah. like, it's still worth understanding. So I, okay, think, I think in order to teach love and compassion, you have to give love and compassion. So sure. even if somebody is a terrible person, does that mean they're not deserved to be loved? And uh, I think that's what he was saying with I love Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's like it's being clickbaited. It's being chopped. They're going to they're going to take that clip and they're going to ignore the part where he says, I love the Jews. I love everyone. Exactly. One second before he says, I love Hitler. He says, I love everyone. Exactly. It's obviously uh, is it misrepresentation? If you take that clip out of context, it's taking it out of context. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of framing it. They're you said it. It's like they're taking clips to frame him and portray a certain message of what he's saying versus what he's actually trying to communicate. But him also too, like his mind just like goes. And so like he just talks and expresses like whatever he's thinking. And then the viewer is kind of left to like. Well, that's why he's such a good musician because he almost thinks in rap or whatever. Like he thinks in like lyric or rhyme or whatever. Yeah, like, prose. Prose. Yeah. yeah, actually. He's a creative genius. I mean, he's innovated fashion. He's innovated music. He's innovated the production, the sound of rap music. He's, yeah, he's definitely one of the most influential, if not. No, I'd say he's probably one of the most. I wouldn't say he's the top. Like Kim Kardashian might be the top. I what was, know. what do you think, one of the first Kanye West songs you ever heard? The first Kanye West and album. How did it ever, make you feel? The first Kanye West album I ever bought was Graduation from Newberry Comics. Um, I mean, I definitely heard like Late Registration, like songs being played on the radio before then, but the first album I actually bought was graduation and that album just every song was unbelievably phenomenal. what year did that come out i don't know the year it came out i was probably like a middle schooler early high school late middle school i wonder the glory flashing lights can't tell me nothing like at barry bonds every song really just goes off but he also like innovated the sound like think about yeezus and then now think about like the album yeezus where he kind of like introduced like electro 
kind of music like EDM dubstep into rap. And then now you kind of have this Travis Scott kid Cudi. Okay. You know more than I do. (laughs) Well, I mean, just being a spectator of following the sound, you can kind of just hear. Uh, I love his sound though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he also pushes it. Like let's take like the classic Drake versus Kanye debate. Right. Think about Kanye's albums versus Drake's albums. I think Kanye's taking a lot more risks in terms of sound just like overall like portrayal of creativity, messaging, so on and so forth. Kanye's t- a lot bigger risk takers. Like you look at 808 and Heartbreaks, you look at Graduation, you look at Yeezus, you look at Donda, My Beautiful Twisted Dark Fantasy. All those albums are distinctly unique and they all have a certain vibe and they all go in their own different direction versus like an artist like Drake, like he typically plays it safe where his music is typically very well produced, formulated, um, the you know the messaging is pretty stereotypical like get money fuck bitches instagram drive fast cars yeah he does have just the same like cool smooth but kind of the, like yeah you it's know, consistent it's all, you can vibe with him i'm not saying he's like, yeah it's like the good like you're gonna go to a club or whatever that's yeah what exactly for. it's very palatable yeah you can listen to it working out you can listen to it at a club kind yeah, of it's like i don't know i mean you can listen to it working out i can do the oh, same thing listen to a club but yeah but i think it's two different types of vibes yeah that's true yeah, Kanye is a lot more honest in that way. Yeah, true to himself, honest with himself in the portrayal of his music. Drake, you kind of, he raps about, you know, making money. But it's like, who are you as an individual? I don't know. Like, what do you stand for? I don't really know. You know, some of these rappers don't even create their own beats or like somebody else does the lyrics. Yeah. Drake you really have to like put all the credits in for who, it, you know, credit the beat. It says on Apple Music, when you like look at a song, it says all the people who are involved with making the song. and like. Does it say what they did? So yeah, there's sometimes will be like That's different cool. like songwriters and like lyricists and because uh, Kanye probably created beats for other songs. He did. He's yeah. one of the biggest producers. He's influenced the sound. A producer. He's pro- yes. Yeah, he's he's produced for many many different people and artists, and he's notorious for that in itself. Like coming up, that was his pride and joy was the fact that he wasn't even that good of a rapper initially. It's just that the beats he, that he made were so good that other artists wanted to use his them. Beats. Yeah, his beats. That's cool. Yeah. So see, he has like some rhythm or some sound and I think a lot of what he's getting in trouble for is he is kind of like playing a game and everyone else is like taking it super super serious <laughs> yeah 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 because you have to understand what he's saying he probably doesn't have the same gravity that you hear it with i think he thought about it 10 minutes ago yeah definitely or he was thought about it on the spot on the spot exactly yeah i don't think these are like deeply meditated no. ideas no you know? i don't think he's like hurt any jewish people either i think he just says a bunch of shit because he's expressing a bunch of frustration but i do think uh we don't have to dwell on him all night but That's like true. i do think uh he is in trouble and it's going to be a rough time it's going to be a rough time i mean he's definitely gonna have to take accountability for what he's saying but yeah we'll see how that plays out yeah we'll see we'll see yeah. so what else is going on crypto we got comedy in austin we got many things we got many things what do you like to talk about i mean we can do comedy uh yeah so for everybody you have comedy. a show on wednesday nights car- uh comedy carnival so Festival. i have now actually slapper. two shows okay since we've yeah so every wednesday is the knee slapper comedy carnival that tentatively is at we're currently at Aura Hookah Lounge. We're looking for other venues too. Always looking to grow. Where is it at? Uh, Aura Hookah Lounge and oh, Cafe. Aura. Yeah. A-U-R. It's like Southwest Austin. Yeah. A-U-R-A. Aura Hookah Lounge every Wednesday. And then we got a comedy show at Austin Eastsiders. 
So we have it at the Barton Springs location next week, but then probably when people are going to be listening to this, it'll be at the uh, Collaboratory. That's also in East Austin. Cool. Yeah. So the first one is kind of like a game show. It's and the neat, what's yeah. the second one? So the Nice Lapper Comedy Carnival is a, yeah, it's an adult parody game show where we have live comedians perform. And then in between the sets, I run games on stage. We will come up like in front of an audience. They can win prizes. It's a lot of fun. It's adult themed. So I've seen, I've seen some clips. I think you got to put them on YouTube. Yeah. Like we're talking about that clips. a little bit before we Dude, turn on the talks. It's yeah. There's a, that in itself is a whole nother discussion in terms of like what content you should be putting out, like how you're filming it. Um, you'd kind of want to make clips. the stuff I've seen of your reels on Instagram is great. Ooh, like, yeah. So it's just people, they win prizes and I so how do they win a prize? Is it, is it kind of, we play weird games. Like we'll okay. do like truth or dare. Or we'll do, yeah. you know, like just weird stuff where people have to like, would you rathers just put people in like uncomfortable situations? I feel like you could Mr. Beastify that. And yeah, I mean, definitely. Well, I mean, I'm playing around with more. I like making people do like weird stuff, like try and, you know, uh, balance like an Oreo to get from your forehead, like into your mouth. If you can do it, like you win $25. Cause the thing I'm learning honestly is that it's a lot easier to make people do more entertaining things than it is to get them to say entertaining stuff. Cause not a lot of people are gonna, most people suck on stage because that's the number one fear in America is like public speaking. So a lot of people get very awkward. So I they do playing. once you like get the self-consciousness of the mic on. Yeah, it does like put you in a hole. Yeah, exactly. So there's an art with being like a palatable host where it's like yeah. making the person feel comfortable on stage. Yeah. You also play around with, hey, does this game take one person, two people, three people to play around with on stage? If we get more people on stage in the audience, um, all those people are like it defers like how uncomfortable it is. So it kind of like each person is like a little less uncomfortable because they can share yeah, experience right. with more people on stage. Yeah, you share the load of this of the attention. Yeah, exactly. So there's there's so many little nuances that go into it um, as the show goes on. And, and I've been doing it weekly now, every Wednesday. So it forces me to plan more games, come up with new ideas, and then like execute those ideas and then see how well they work what doesn't like come back to the drawing board, refine it and then keep doing it. So I've only been doing it like monthly for two and a half months at this point, I would say really two and a half, okay. three months or sorry, not monthly, weekly, weekly. every oh, week damn. for weekly. the past two and a half to three months. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're getting a lot of reps in a lot of reps. You're getting a lot of stage time, a lot of reps, a lot of like getting comfortable in front of the whatever. Exactly. It's you know what you're growing quickly, about. which is yeah. awesome. But the pressure is definitely on because you have to be funny every week. You got to have a good product. You have to have a good show that people are going to want to come back yeah. every week. Um, you got to sell tickets every week. Yeah. There's so many challenges that come weekly with putting on a show, let alone two shows now so but you look at a show like kill tony and it took 10 years to get to what it is today yeah and that was like a lot of consistency so one thing i really respect these days about content creators and comedians and anyone who's like putting stuff out there even actors and you know anyone who's just they can't rest on their laurels like in software you can take uh a lot of time off i'm gonna fix this yeah There you go. Uh, Looking good? I hope so. Is it? <laughs> we'll find out. I mean, you don't the, have the thing. We'll the find panel, out in the YouTube. Where you can see yourself. Well, I, can I, see could just, right I could just see it was way off center. I was like not looking. Oh, that's funny. Um, and so what was I talking about? Do you remember? Shows. Comedians. Consistency. Oh, yeah. Just anyone who's always putting stuff out there. 
man, even if you're just doing like uh, mukbang videos, like that is its own work mm. to put you stuff out there. You don't realize how much effort it takes in. Yeah, to, to put on a show every week. Good content, dude. You A, the content that you come up with has to be like really good, engaging, fun. There has to be a reason for somebody to watch your content. So even having the premise of what you're filming in itself takes a lot of time and energy to yeah. put into that. Let alone you have to film it. So it's like, let's talk about the money and the equipment we need to purchase, like these microphones, the mic stands, the cameras, yeah. the lights. Luckily, so, that's all one time. So. Luckily, it's all one time thing. Um, but it's like, Hey, do I, what kind of quality do I want in terms of like the lenses, like the camera quality, the pixels. So there is, still you can get like these new 4k camera or 8k cameras. And we talked about it. If you want to make a good 4k video, you got to be able to crop in. Yeah. And especially if you want to punch in on cool moments. Exactly. And so, uh, if you have 8k footage, like maybe you'll get a perfect 4k. Yeah. Export. Videos with better quality do do better on TikTok and YouTube. And so it's like the people who have more money to invest in the equipment already have that much more of a leg up. This is like one request that just seems like something that comedy clubs will never do for reasons of their own. But like maybe they will do it actually because it's such a good idea. Don't you feel like there should just be a button? You couldn't do this so easily. Like you could retrofit a club, but if you were creating a new club, you could do this a lot easier. Mm -hmm. You should be able to hit a button and have it be like perfectly recorded in 8K where you just get like a USB thumb drive at the end with like the set. And then I just charge you like, hey, $500 for the footage. Not even. Make it free. Like the, what does it cost you? Well, it's then all, how am I going to make money off of me filming it? While just because your place is baller and everyone wants to go there because it has the best footage. That's true. Well, then you got to monetize it in some way. In yeah, you, it to be a business. See, this is what's different about tech than entertainment. Yeah. Tech people never think that way. Like you're in tech, you're in, you're, or I'm both. Well, I'm tech you're, sales. Yeah. You're in tech sales. So do you have to think about the product? Like what you're doing? Is it actually viable? Is it useful? Yeah. Like, is it solving a problem? The problem is, oh, it's such a fucking pain in the ass to create to your own clips to, to and create your content. own clips and get the footage yeah, and that is yeah. such a pain in the ass setting up two camera angles yeah. like everywhere you go get in the yeah. right you know spot where people aren't walking in front of the films and then like the, is the lighting right is the audio good like you don't you're taking risks most of the time when you go in these places and you're trying to build content so that in itself also takes like a little bit of trial and error to get into but like eventually like it would be cool if you walked into a club especially if it was like a uh I don't know anyone it was just super easy to do and you press a record button and then you go do your material and you get like an email with like a downloadable file it seems so cheap i think that's a really good business idea like if really? you just brought around these two cameras and microphones to like comedy clubs and you just had your stuff on deck and you're like i will film your stuff and like edit it and you'll have I full footage. Don't have time for that, but I, well, it would be cool. Yeah, what to if, figure out how no, to you do have it to automatically. Clip it. You just have to hey, here's it from start to finish, and this is going to be fifty dollars if you want me to do this. Yeah, and I bet you like to make it going to yeah, and I bet if you go to the creek or like big venues like Cap City, where there's a big crowd and on the spot the person's unprepared and they're like oh like I have good material like I should film this, it's like I, I have the footage at the end, and then like worst comes to worst you could probably use it. You have to get there okay, but then you have the footage for yourself. Well, that's a good business idea for somebody out there. Yeah. But, yeah. That's fair. Exactly. Yeah. If somebody do that business, you'll make a lot of money for sure. I don't Yeah. Know. Producing. 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 But exactly. it's work producing. Like, I don't want to be a producer. I want to do the creative So part. that's in itself like having two shows. It's like I'm also producing these two shows. So not only am I coming up with the content, I'm hosting both shows. I'm also producing both like 
co-producing both of the shows. And in a way, you kind of have to be the producer of your shows because you're the one like with the taste of what you're trying to create the show as. Yeah, exactly. If you have somebody else do it, that's what it kind of ran to with at the beginning. It's like you need, if you're not doing it yourself, you need somebody who's very closely aligned with you mentally. I feel like they'd have to be living with you, right? Living with <laughs> like, you or your boys. Yeah, your like you'd have to or, have a lot you of have a, creative back and forth. Yeah, or you just have a very professional working relationship where it's like, I have a vision because uh, you can record one piece of content and then edit it a million different ways and portray mm -hmm. a million different messages mm -hmm. and say a million different things. It's so true. So it's like if you don't have the proper, that's in itself another huge skill is just editing. That is probably takes the most time and effort into doing in terms of producing like any sort so of So can I tell you what I'm real excited for there? Yeah. AI editors. Hmm. This is an idea that I cannot stop thinking about. Okay. Um, Lay it on me. Well, that's it. It's AI editors. So basically, so we've already got some pretty big advances in the last two years in AI. Mm. One of the biggest is, uh, I think it's like chat GPT, Sam Altman. Okay. If you Google that should be able to find it is basically a chat bot. So you can just type in a description of anything you want. You could be like, tell me a story about a bear walking through the woods or whatever. Mm. And it will, uh, and then you can elaborate. You can add as many flirt, you know, like, and it's on a sunny day and and then there's some mushrooms and yeah. whatever, you know, like you can make it as descriptive as you want. Mm. And then the AI will generate volumes as much as you want. And so here's what I want to be able to do. That's crazy. Here's a video that's 90 minutes or like two and a half hours or five hours. Doesn't matter any duration. Mm. Remove all the ums and buts and pauses. In fact, analyze all of my YouTube videos and look at any time there's a drop in retention rate. Mm. Anytime that pattern re-exhibits itself in this video, automatically remove it. Yeah, That's the kind of shit you're going to be able to do with AI That's in a couple brilliant. of years. Yeah, That's You're going to be able to train it on your own content to edit as your style. And it's going to be epic. Or you're just like, hey, give me 10 different title ideas. Which one would be most viral? <laughs> you know, yeah. like that kind of shit. It'll have the algorithm already go. Like, so content creators are going to get this massive advantage as if they already didn't have a massive advantage. But then you need the AI. How much is the AI going to cost? A lot probably in compute. Billions. Yeah. yeah well, actually. I mean, you know, you'll, it'll, you'll probably spend like is one tenth as much as you would on an editor, but it will still be expensive. Yeah. And then eliminate. Yeah, AI is scary. Machines are scary. Technology is scary because it's going to replace so many people's jobs and like as it continues to develop. But it's like it doesn't. It, and it that's gets, one of the things where it's for like, every job it replaces, it adds three more. Yeah. It's generative. Is it? You think yeah, so? Yeah, 100 percent. Who develops the AI? The AI isn't like self-improving. Yeah, exactly. Well, who humans have to develop the AI. But then yeah. once it gets to a certain point, doesn't want to improve upon itself and then you don't even need a human. To well, if that happens, then, you know, like that's the end of the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the singularity. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But OK, I think the thing about the AI thing, though, is like the beauty about editing or any sort of creative piece is that there's something that's creativity is like human where it's like that's so inherent to the specific individual of what they're thinking and creating. Yes. And it's, you can't like replicate that. You, know you don't have I mean? to. So all you have, because AI, it doesn't have to be smart. It just has to be efficient. And so you give it options and you say, give me 10 different treatments of this video, of this clip within this video, mm. or analyze this video for any time there is two people laughing and pick the one that sounds like it might be the most relatable, you know? Yeah. And like then, okay, of that, 
give me 10 different treatments with popular media sliced into it and captioned and whatever. Yeah. And then you, you pick the best ten. The lighting, and, use this yes, angle, yes, and then exactly you can basically just say all the custom fields. You and then want. you just keep refining. And what AI gives you is ten variants. Mm. You have to pay all of the cost of an editor for one treatment. AI is going to give you ten. You're going to choose the best one and reiterate it. That's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, that would be very useful. It's going to be epic, lie, and it's almost here. It's very hard to find someone who's good at editing and consistently good at editing, and someone who's going to make your content good refined consistently over a long period of time in order to build traction is something that's very very hard to do like one of the biggest challenges i would say for any content creator but it's easy for a computer they look at the waveform you know maybe yeah. it's not so easy in the terms of a context of like a conversation sometimes there's a meaningful gap mm. where like two people are just thinking yeah and like that's good to leave in yeah well, like yeah exactly like those so those kind of nuances would be hard be hard but that's crazy AI. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming. It's, it's coming it's real coming. fast. Yeah. So we have chat GPT and we have stable diffusion. So stable diffusion, the artwork for this podcast is okay. created with that technology. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was like watching those TikToks of the AI generated art. And yeah. It's like, Give me I can't a remember what. Photo of sadness. And then it no. does some like in the rain outside through a window. And it's like, wow, like that's so interesting how it's like. The visual aspects. I think I just typed in the title. I can't remember what I typed in. Yeah, I wonder how that. it think that's crazy to me. Yeah. That's scary as shit though. Like yeah. some Terminator AI is gonna think and then turn on humans and I don't know. Technology is crazy. Have you seen the stuff with Elon Musk? I think we talked about yeah. this last time, like Neuralink and stuff like Did that. Did we? I mean, this I'm saving the update. I got to see it, but I saw a little bit and it was Neuralink out is of fucking control. crazy, dude. Yeah. They can, what they've been able to do basically. What can they do? The f they can put a chip in a pig's brain, a pig's brain, and they can basically map like all of the stimulus that goes off in the pig's brain. Yeah. So like any neural network or any sort of neurons that fire off, it can map the brain completely. And it'll tell you which neurons are firing off and which ones aren't. So, I mean, that's the ultimate AI challenge is yeah. Neuralink. So now that you can map the brain perfectly, basically what you do, everything you think, say, hear, feel, it's all electrical signals just being transmitted like mm -hmm. wires from neuron to neuron, like a circuit throughout your brain, effectively is what's happening. So there's certain parts like... For example, the front of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, that's involved with decision making and higher like processing power, like higher thinking and cognitive ability. Like that's the last part of your brain to develop when you're 25. So a lot of kids, when they grow up, like as a developing youth and adolescent, like you don't have those decision making skills that you would when you're 25 years old. So you tend to make more like rash mm -hmm. decisions. So that's like one example, but like moving forward, what this could do is it could like, theoretically speaking, you could like stimulate the part of the children's brain that allows it to have those thoughts of like higher decision-making ability. So you could like accelerate thought, but the main purpose of it and why it's being developed is a lot of people who die or when you get old and you die, you experience like neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's yes, and Parkinson's. So what this can do theoretically is like when yeah, Parkinson's basically is like your brain cells die off and then you lose motor function because you don't have those neurons stimulating you in ways to like, you know, keep your body moving in ways that it normally would. So what it could do is it could strengthen those neurons, like similar to working out, like the more you fire off those neurons, like memories, right. the more you remember them, so on and so forth. So if you're able to stimulate 
neurons and neurological pathways like artificially right. you can trigger they brain like function and motor kinda. function yeah exactly so it opens up like a whole new world of possibilities but then it's going to be like your fucking phone mm-hmm. is going to be a chip in your brain Matrix. And you're going to be taking photos through your eyes. I think it's good. Let's go one <laughs> level deeper into the simulation. Yeah. You know? Why not? I think, I mean, it could be very powerful. People will be able to live longer. You'll be able to think more Don't you think it's just going to be Matrix and we're all going to live into the Matrix? And then we're all going to be like, you're going to be able to playing video games like online in your brain. I don't know. And then know. you can just be sitting on the couch. It's hard to tell. No, it's not going to be the Matrix. I think it could be the Matrix. It could be like, uh, have you seen Ready Player One? You know yeah. That movie? That's I what think I that's like. happening. That's a very accurate representation. Or I think like. Some form be, of that. Yeah. It's, it's a very not accurate representation. I think it's a good speculation in terms of like what the future could be like. People living mostly virtually. Yeah. You have it already. I mean, like climate's crazy. You have Oculus where you're putting on goggles and playing games with people and VR. There's an idea that I don't care to attribute the author right now, but it's that the entire world is virtual and that everything is created by humans. Like the natural world is trees and a waterfall. Yeah. Everything that we interact with, our entire field of view and all of our experience is contained within a virtual world Mm. created by humans. You're saying humans have already created the simulation that we're living in currently or... Society, just that society, society is, is a, simulation. a simulation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can look at it in that sense where it's like society is really just a construct of like human societal norms or just, yeah, norms yeah. or general. And those societal and norms, they're, they're slow to change and often inaccurate and out of date. And they also like don't like exist like in a tangible sense. Exactly. It's all just agreed upon. Like the, yeah. value of a dollar like what is a dollar really going to do for you in terms of like an actual dollar bill it's going to feed you is going to fix anything you know what i mean it doesn't do anything but it holds value because society has attributed the value of the dollar to be something you can barter with buy and sell so and we like, can attribute value to that as well yeah but it doesn't actually fucking exist like it's yeah not, it doesn't like it has no functional purpose the dollar bill it's not well, like food. It, it, it is kind of represents the U.S. military, the might of the U.S. military. Well, what the dollar was originally was it was an IOU from the bank, like IOU gold. And then yeah. there's just so many IOUs printed out that it's like, all right, we'll just have the dollar be its own thing. And we're not always going to go to the bank to give you back the gold that we supposedly IOU from giving the dollar bill. Yeah. Yeah. You want to rabbit hole into crypto or stay on this? Uh, I'm down. Let's go into crypto. Okay. Well, one of the reasons why I think crypto is interesting is because of people's ability to ascribe value to anything. We could just say, this old car is valuable. This playing card is valuable. You yeah, know, like all, what? It's all based <laughs> this on digital what, currency is valuable. It's, what? A, it's all based on the relative value to the individual. And it's like, yeah. you know, uh, like a Toyota 2004 Relative. with like 50,000 miles on it, right? Somebody who's like loaded, billionaire, probably like throw that thing away. Somebody who's making like $500 every week would probably be like, this is amazing. Yeah, you know what I right. mean? It's relative. It's relative. It's about what it can do for you and how it serves yes. you. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Well, but also just our ability to like ascribe value to things is interesting to me. Um I think that there is a lot of questions right now in the crypto world about what is truly valuable. So I think the reason why crypto, it's just, 
it's so appealing, appetizing is because a every all the transactions are like you can see them on the blockchain. So you think you just get rich quick? It's fully transparent. I mean, some for some people treat it a lot like that, but I think okay. it's it has the potential to be a decentralized. Like, what is it? What is a cryptocurrency? What is a Bitcoin? It's just like a digital asset. Um, it's just the same thing of having a dollar, but now you have Bitcoin. It's just online. It's just digital. There's no paper value. But like, well, same if thing with you the could NFT. see everyone who held that dollar before, yeah. You can. Yeah, like that's what's awesome about crypto. Yeah. And it's also, so it's also, there's only going to be a certain amount of coins minted. So you won't have like inflation issues where it's like, with you know, Bitcoin. With Bitcoin, where it's like the US government's like, you know, printing so many dollar bills and it's inflating the price of the dollar and it's worth less. And now we can't buy. Like that won't be an issue as much because there's going to be a fixed but amount. I don't know if it introduces this risk or it's exacerbated by it, exacerbated by it. But uh, one second. All good. One of the uh, problems with crypto or with Bitcoin is how concentrated the holdings are. And so I feel like there's some relationship between the fixed money supply and the concentration of the holdings. And I can't quite figure out what that is. Yeah. And I think it might be that when you have all of this incredible concentration in just a very few number of whales and you have a fixed supply, it basically becomes a land grab. Mm. And then you have people like Michael Saylor, Mm. and I think that's what he sees, is that it is a land grab. The distribution of wealth gets so fucked. And then you get this unbelievable distribution of wealth, like nothing you ever can imagine. Yeah, but people people buy and sell at margins, right? So it's like somebody with a million dollars bought at two, sold at five. Somebody with like 30K is still going to buy at five. But I think there's a lot of Bitcoin OGs that just hold their... The right thing to do with Bitcoin is to treat it like land. Mm. And what you do with it is you hold it in cold storage. Mm. Just like you would just know that you have this piece of land out there. Like don't buy stuff in the metaverse. If you're going to buy a digital asset, just buy crypto. But I do think that crypto is going to be in for a really long, hard time until we figure out what really happened at FTX. I agree. And people don't, the technology is still in its infancy. So to make it like palatable for the public to understand what the fuck happened is like, that's going to be a whole nother hurdle. I think that guy did a shitload of Adderall. Adderall was just like banging all of his staff and just gambling on crypto tokens. Yeah. Yeah. Like as far as I can tell, this is what happened when you bought Bitcoin on FTX. They didn't even buy the Bitcoin, okay? Mm -hmm. They bought a thing called paper Bitcoin, which is like an IOU for Bitcoin Mm. that you can buy at like a discounted price. Okay. This might be a little inaccurate, but this is my understanding. I'm still learning it. Yeah. And so basically, if you buy 10 grand of uh, Bitcoin on FTX, Mm. what they buy is a three grand IOU. For Bitcoin. So they don't even... Because they didn't hold any Bitcoin. When they went... When they collapsed, it was found that they held no Bitcoin. <laughs> so, like, how was that even possible? How is that even possible? So, not only did they not actually buy the Bitcoin, they took that ten grand and they sent it to their trading firm. Okay, and then that trading firm gambled all of that money away—four billion dollars of customer assets. That honestly, like, and now the me. Sam Bankman fucking fried, yeah, as he needs to be, is being let 
on all this media tour. They're trying to normalize him. They're trying to normalize him. Get his name. It's like so obvious that it's a strategy. We don't hear from him for two weeks, and now we're slowly seeing him. Where does he go? CNN. Where did he go? All the places he gave money to. Yeah. And so they're trying to normalize him, and they're trying to say that it was some mistake, and that is bullshit. That dude used customer funds to do wild trading or not. I mean, somebody tell me anything else that happened. That's that, what I can tell. That's not happened in like the stock market before. I don't know. That yeah, seems... but it, that's what Bernie Madoff did. Yeah. And that's why he went to jail. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, again, shit like that has to happen for there to be trust because it would have something like that was bound to happen with the way things were It was going. bound to happen. And then you have these people like I just saw Pomp on CNBC and he was saying like uh, that... I don't know if he, I don't want to exaggerate his point, but it sounded like he was saying like, there's never been more buyers of Bitcoin and we don't need regulation. And I'm like, this is one of the toughest environments ever for crypto caused by a lack of regulation. Yeah. We absolutely need regulation so that when you pay 10 grand for Bitcoin, the company actually buys it, not an IOU. Yeah. And they sure shit don't send that money to a trading firm. Yeah. Do you know how to buy Bitcoin just like straight off the block? Like you have to mint it. You have to mine it, right? And then yeah. somebody who mines it sells it to you? Okay. Well, you can't anymore. The, the, it's too difficult, technically. To mine? Yeah. You have to participate through pools of miners. Really? Yeah. Oh, so it's okay. And so you contribute some compute power to a pool. That pool earns a block of, a that block. has some Bitcoin. That Bitcoin gets distributed. That makes sense. And it's actually pretty efficient. Like Why one of the arguments. That shit? Yeah, I mean, I should have done it the whole time. Uh, so I, I knew people that did it, and a lot of people did it. Um, one of the reasons why it was always kind of seen as dumb historically yeah. was because it was cheaper just to buy Bitcoin. Than like pay for the electricity. Than like pay for the electricity and all the parts. And it was like almost always came out to be that way. But that didn't factor in one like the scale of compute that you like you can get a lot more compute for a lot cheaper mm. and two um the price appreciation of crypto of bitcoin yeah. yeah it's interesting i think it's where the world's headed digital currency it's just easier to send transactions are visible but like that concept of it's really people are good. afraid of these central bank digital currencies well it's also yeah i mean i don't know what if the bank collapses then all my funds are fucked i wonder why the government's interested i think i know why but there's definitely money to be made and people are making money off of it and the government doesn't like people just getting crazy stupidly rich for like no reason they need their hands in it if that's going to be the case I, I think it's that and i think it's about uh they they like the forensics ability like a lot of people look at crypto and they say like it's like shady mm -hmm. it's the most transparent form of value exchange ever created yeah it has not only a history well, but like that and a chain, you can yeah. see how everything at each block is chained together. Yeah. You can learn to read the blockchain. It's, it's daunting at first, but if you actually took the time to learn it. it yeah. You could read it like the matrix. Wah. Yeah. But you can <laughs> see like where money's going, where from what wallet address to what wallet address. So there can never be any dispute of if a transaction like. Well, there never can not. be. Yeah. yeah. Every transaction is recorded in the blockchain. Which is cool. Yeah. There can't ever be Which a dispute. Cool. It'll come. It'll be NFTs. Cryptos will become more into play once like web three and the metaverse and the matrix is like actually a thing when people are like in ready player one like playing games digitally earning prizes. earning in income playing games yes and then they are able to sell those prizes and rewards online to a marketplace and people are able to buy them which is fucking crazy in itself to think about that's like the things that are intangible online hold shit tons of value 
where it's like I could go and pay more money for a piece of land that doesn't exist in the real world more than I would go spend on like food at the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Like what the fuck? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, that but again, it's all it's I think it has to do with the construct of the dollar and just what the dollar is in value and trying to make money because for a lot of people it's just trying to make money i mean that's what it is for i don't really give a shit i just want to yeah. make money you know yeah yeah money is like a big thing for people i it, mean i got lucky in life and got to feel what it was like to have a bunch of money at once yeah and i've felt what it's like to have that money gone and to never have it at all and so i've had the full spectrum yeah and it matters a lot when you feel like you don't have enough money yeah to get more money for that sure matters a lot you need it to live. How do you feel about capitalism? Are you a proponent oh, I of love capitalism? capitalism? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love capitalism. Yeah, big fan of capitalism. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the only way that we've found that works uh, so far. I apologize for that. Um, yes, I agree. It's the best case scenario we have. There needs to be some sort of distribution of wealth, hierarchy of competence in order for people to want to grow and achieve and contribute back to society. There's definitely flaws. Yeah. But there's flaws. There's going to be flaws to any system. There's going to be loopholes to any system. I have thought of a redistribution mechanism. And the best I've been able to come up with is everyone, when they're born, becomes an owner. And I think it is very important for people to feel like they're an owner in what they're working on. What do you mean owner, like a landowner? Like what do you own? So when you're an employee of a company, like this is something that tech companies do really well, okay? Mm -hmm. They give you a significant portion of equity, significant, mm -hmm. such that if the company does well, you're gonna do well. Yeah. If the company does really well, you're gonna do really well. Yeah. And so that it aligns all of your incentives and mm -hmm. everyone that you're working with and you yourself and the company as a whole are all aligned to make the company as good and profitable as possible. Mm. And it, why? Because you're an owner. You, mm. you have enough ownership that it's meaningful to you. And so now we live in a society where people feel like there's the haves and the have nots. Yeah. And like, fuck that rich guy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, really, when you're born, you should just be vested a portion of all of the economic output of the country in forms of some economic vehicle. Let's call it like a government bond or whatever. Okay. You know, like, so you're born and, and that represents like all U.S. companies, all U.S. stocks, bonds, crypto even, right? Mm. Uh, U.S. central bank currency, anything that has value that our civilization, our culture has created is compressed and represented and abstracted into this vehicle, okay. into this instrument, okay. this financial instrument. And when you're born, you're vested a share of that. Now you can't touch it for the first 20 years because that's just compounding interest. Yeah. And so now we get all of the free compounding interest that we all know and love, the value of compound interest. Now at 20 years old, you can start getting distributions, mm. 250 bucks, 500 bucks a month. You know, you could do all this with crypto mathematically so that it never runs out of money. Yeah. And it's not enough where people never have to work, but it's enough where like people can pursue their creative endeavors. Yeah. Because I think a lot of what holds people back creatively is feeling like they have to have a job and they have to go and oh, make some for money. Sure. That's a huge challenge. Like, and if you could really just focus on like, okay, how do you just want to spend your time? Yeah. Like if you could do anything, how do you just want to spend, spend yeah. your time? That question unlocks so much uh, important sure. thinking. You live different lives. It's yeah. like yeah. you have to make money in order to live your life. And that's why everyone needs to be an owner. 
because an owner of an, a certain investment vehicle of, and like, they the need to be US an owner econ- of the society state, of the society yeah yeah be, so that, i don't know enough about economics to really like, so like if you knew that the if the if the u.s was going to do better next year you were going to profit that mm-hmm. would change how you think about everything yeah if the school system gets more a's then the teachers make more money so you're basically saying like you own a share yeah. of the total like u.s economy and if the economy does better like your share is worth more dollar values exactly and in the last two years it would be worth less because we've had a recession yeah so people would need to work harder so yes shares and that work. is exactly what we should be doing and that would be reflected in everyone's feeling if all of our incentives were aligned this is actually yeah i like this idea it's partially not mine i think i got it partially from i must admit chamath polyhapatia mm. um but yeah that's cool yeah, that definitely work. I mean, I don't know. Always in human nature, there's people who do well, people who do poor. That's just yeah. like by design. But that's just because life is unfair. Nature. But it's crazy because like we're getting to a point where it's like we're starting to transcend all of our biological like tendencies and like the natural order of life. You know what I mean? Like, let's just say like three, 500 years ago, let's just take all emotion feelings out of it. Just look at it pragmatically speaking. Like, uh, in order for you to eat, like, you'd have to hunt. You know what I mean? So, say, like, you were injured and, like, you couldn't hunt, like, you couldn't hunt, like, you can't eat. Yeah, right. Then you'd be dead. Yeah. Now you can get food stamps. Now you can order food on your phone and get it delivered to your house and you don't have to move. Yeah. So, we're transcending our biological design of like having to need to survive and like what we're built to do. And we talked about this last which is time. Crazy. Yeah. Well, we talked about this last time how like one of the biggest threats of like being too comfortable is that it makes you complacent. But just that that is a threat of being too comfortable and that you actually have to like work to make yourself uncomfortable in all sorts of ways. Like, yeah. And the more uncomfortable that you can make yourself, the more you're going to grow because that's a lot of what growth is. It's mm. like discomfort and experiencing something totally new. Yeah. And in that experience, that's what changes you. Yeah, exactly. That's a big thing I've been just like, oh, sorry about that. Um, think about just like about life is just uh, adversity. And before like initially like going through adversity, it uh, fucking sucks to, you know, lift, like do anything hard. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever you life throws curveballs at you, where it's like, you know, you're making investments and you lose a bunch of money because FTX fucking sucks. Or you have to go to the gym and work out and lift heavy load. Just like anything mm-hmm. that's hard to do, people want to like naturally avoid it because they don't want to go through exerting that much effort and being that uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But the end result is that you come out like a stronger person most of the time. You know what I mean? Like trading, like you learn a lesson. There's always yeah. something to be learned, I guess, from like that aspect. But like let's take going to the gym, like lifting weights. Like it makes you a stronger person. It makes you a healthier person. Yes. Um, going up on stage... Like, that's unbelievably anxiety. I still have anxiety going up on stage, but it makes you more comfortable. It exposes you. You you learn so much about yourself, too, like, going up on stage. Like, just coming from Boston. How you react to the audience. Yeah, just, like, what you're saying, how you're saying it, how you feel. Like, people are watching you all times. The lights are on you. So, like, whatever you're doing or saying, people are going to pick up on that. Yeah. And if you don't know yourself or know what you're doing or know how you're acting to the point where even, like, your subtle mannerisms or, like, what you say... It sets the tone of the room. It sets the tone of the room. It determines how people are going to experience what's going on. And it, it's a big factor in terms of like how you're conducting yourself, like your skill set in terms of 
how you present yourself in front of other people, like what you're saying. But that's a lot of what is good about making yourself uncomfortable is those learnings. And so in stand up, it might be that when you are so exposed, how you feel and how you react and how you think about those things might make you more creative or think on your feet or I don't know, like, or maybe you just turtle up in your shell and you can't move. I don't know. It doesn't. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Like, uh, cause I'm very new and I'm, I'm a humble, I'm a student and you have to look at all your flaws when you're trying to grow as a comedian. So you yeah. understand what you're doing wrong and what you need to, right. need to do better. So especially when I watched our first podcast, like I wasn't even, I was so new. I was just like having fun with it, but I wasn't even, I was really kind of like dismissing like what I was doing wrong and it wasn't until i lined with my co-producer shout out to leo um that he's been doing it for three and a half years and i was doing it for six months at the time so <clears throat> so me like moving from boston massachusetts like mass holes is a term people are very like mean grit like hard-headed just rude because they don't give a fuck about your feelings like who cares grow up like it doesn't matter like you can stand you're healthy so people are just very like bitter cold yeah. like whatever yeah. like grow a pair harder people exactly they're harder spirited people so i would just be on stage and i'd kind of like make jabs or do crowd work but i was like very rude and like condescending but like to me it wasn't that condescending yeah. because like i just the, the people who i'm used to hanging around with were very brutally honest and like say crazy shit because we don't care right. about how like you're receiving it because it doesn't like grow up you know what i mean don't take such offense of it don't be such a pussy so to speak but like i have to change my mindset where it's like as a host like you right. have to build everybody up you want to make everyone feel included yes. right you want to when you put someone on stage it's very well, very uncomfortable for them you so. want to make sure everyone is included in the vibe of whatever yeah. the show is yeah the experience that you're having like everybody yeah. wants to have a good time everyone wants to smile everybody wants to laugh so yeah. if somebody's not smiling somebody's not laughing why are they not smiling why are they not laughing like are they not engaged they don't yep. think what you said is funny like what can you do to make them laugh to make them smile like, oh can you make them engage can you just start sometimes talking you just to them? have some asshole in the audience and he's just being uh curmudgeon yeah well but that's also you have to learn to navigate that and that's a skill in itself is like same thing like so with that with hecklers it's kind of like as a somebody who's been kind of gone through bullying but also like a tech salesman it's kind of like objection handling you know what i mean so when somebody says something or like tries to put you down it's like oh like yeah you create a bunch of try catch blocks for that a always i've i've discovered it's a always good to push back and say something back to them and like stand your ground versus like kind of go along with it or dismiss it because a one it's way more entertaining when you push yeah, back right. and then b like um you're just like establishing like yourself as a presence like you're confident and people and the audience are going to take your side more often than the person who's talking shit even if you say something offensive you know yeah. what i mean like i say offensive shit on stage it's a comedy show like you can't i'm a comedian i say yeah. shit people say shit all the time like don't like if you're going to take offense for it, that's your fault. Like take accountability when you're not taking accountability for what somebody else says and you let what they say affect how you feel, you're deferring the responsibility of you being in control of your own feelings. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize, but you're not taught that. And that's very something that's like learned you have to experience. It. Yeah, exactly. And that's something, especially like, let's go like Connie West's example. He's talking shit about the Jews, but me, I understand where he's coming from because I've had these experience to be like, why is he expressing so much hatred? But like other people just see it. Like he's expressing hatred. Like fuck like him. He's, he's a, a mean spirited person. person. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't think he is a hateful no, person. No, he's definitely not. He really wants really good. Like if you actually listen to the Joe Rogan, Connie West podcast was a really awesome podcast. Listen it was such a good one. Cause he provided more insight in terms of like what he was actually trying to do with yeah, I remember things in Wyoming and like his education plans and you know sustainable agriculture and just like the kind of life he think communities should live and i think it's very it resonates with a lot of people people just want to eat good they want to be loved they want to be well educated they want to have 
you know, feel good. And he wants to build a society that enables people to do that. Moving back to what, what were we talking about before? Sorry, my, my mind goes in. Uh, well, I mean, that was on topic with, with Kanye. Just that. With Kanye comedy. Kanye saying shit. You taking offense to what people are saying versus you taking accountability for how you're feeling. I'm a comedian. I say a lot of shit. Freedom of speech. It's important for people to just say how they feel. Even if it's something like, even if, if okay, let's, if I wasn't allowed to say hate speech, right? Let's take like a really, really extreme example. But I'll just like, like saying, I hate the Jews. <laughs> like, okay, like say, yeah, say, oh, yeah, okay. So let's, say, let's not call them Jews. Let's just like use like a third ambiguous he says term. The so, it's Jews, not, so nobody though. takes, let's just say, I hate blue people because nobody's okay. fucking blue. Okay, that's like, fair. I fucking hate blue people. I want to slaughter blue people. Oh, I wish every blue person was so bad. fucking dead. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> yeah. But, Blue people are fine. Now you know I hate blue people, dude. <laughs> now why? Like, yeah, why? Let's What's look at that. Let's understand yeah. where that yeah. hatred's coming from. Why do you hate blue people? Do they wrong you? Do they do something yeah. to you? Like, then we can work on where the hatred's coming from and Maybe make you, you a can better get me person. on your side. Yeah, but if I wasn't allowed to express it <laughs> and yeah. people shame me for expressing my hatred, it's just going to build up angst and tension because I can't express how I feel. And I'm going to be carrying that load yeah. and no one's going to understand me. And then I'm more likely to act out on something, how I'm feeling versus being able to discuss it and like ease myself and think it through and grow from it versus just. And, that, and that I think is like happening as a society where if a society gets muted and they don't feel like they have freedom of speech, then they start feeling anxious. Like the, it's hard to explain. Like. Yeah, or victimized, or yeah, yeah, right. And we see some of that coming out in our society, but there, there is a war happening on free speech. Blah blah blah. Um, yeah, free speech is critical. It is critical. It's very critical. And let's take another example because I used to work with children, um, just because I got my bachelor of science in psychology and I worked in a various different jobs in the mental health field, um, especially with kids. Like I was a camp counselor. Like I worked with kids. On the autism spectrum, I worked with kids who have past PTSD and childhood trauma. So I've just like worked with a lot of children, like in my early like twenties. Um, and a big thing is working with children is like let's say a child is throwing a tantrum or does, like you know says something bad or does like a maladaptive behavior, like hits a kid. Um, so you have to look at like why they're doing that. But if they're crying and you feed into them and you like give them attention or you give them like milk or whatever like that kid knows oh when i cry every time i cry i get milk so i'm gonna stop crying now whenever i want milk i'm gonna start crying so i've when, heard two arguments the one that it reinforces the behavior two that it just comforts the child uh, yeah yeah I, and also like if you just left them alone if you don't feed attention no but like by design you're gonna feed into the behaviors that reward you intrinsically and uh, externally so it's like if you ignore that behavior like from when i would work with kids if a kid was crying or if a kid would do something like messed up like i would ignore that behavior because then it's like you can't get a rise out of me like i'm not going to feed in that behavior i'm not i'm like dismissing that especially behavior. if you know they're doing it intentionally exactly and then they're not going to exhibit that behavior anymore they're not going to cry they're not going to swear swear because if they know they cry or they swear nothing's going to come out of it yeah. So it's like instead of all these people who are saying all this crazy shit and we're feeding into it, they're getting attention. It almost incentivizes people mm -hmm. to talk shit because mm -hmm. they're getting attention for it. they're getting headlines for it. You know, what I mean, Kanye West is headline. He's relevant. It's well, for a bad I feel like he's somewhat being taken, taken advantage of by the media and by anyone who interviews him at this point because he's so obviously in need of. Well, OK, 
But is he obviously in need of anything or is he just playing out something and it's all going to be fine in six months? I, I that, really don't know because people are very upset it's with gonna him. It's going to be fine. <laughs> people are wanting him to be canceled. It's going to be end of fine. He's, not, he's just saying things. He's not like murdering people. You know what I mean? He's well, not. he's saying things that are so far outside of the window of respectability of the Overton window. Somebody else is going to say something or do something way worse, I guarantee, because I just don't think what he's doing is actually like that crazy. He's just saying a bunch of things. That's but not something with his people. reach. Hey, he has a lot of reach. He has a lot of influence. But like, I don't know. Like... Jeffrey Epstein fucked kids for 15 years before like something crazy happened to him like people are doing a lot of crazy shit yeah. and don't pay the consequences and I just don't think I think those days are coming you know like it's, that's still depend I, depends on how I don't much know. we're that, gonna get to know about each other yeah. once we all get Neuralink yeah 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 exactly. <laughs> once we're all interconnected in one yeah. universal conscious experience no I think yeah he's just gonna go off and just say a bunch of shit and vent how he feels and then people are gonna just be over it but he's still Dude, he's, pe- venting. he's venting he's venting. venting he's just expressing frustrations and it's that's like, don't, exactly that's don't the best way like, i've heard it like, as a viewer like if you don't like it like don't just give him off. attention turn yeah. it off yeah like 100%. what you're doing by 100%. what you're doing by posting about him tweeting about him a like he is his name and the algorithm is getting repeated so it's just giving yeah. him more attention so that's you're true. really what you're doing is disservice like if you really think what he's doing is bad you should just ignore him it's true give him no power yeah but people don't think like they get enraged and they get emotionally invested and then they want to respond and it it perpetuates the cycle of negativity and yeah it's just it's crazy how we're so emotionally just driven and easily like influenced well the media is covering him one-sidedly and nobody's like they're all clipping the worst things he's saying and nobody i haven't heard anyone say he's venting Mm. that's obviously what he's doing nobody has been saying yeah yeah i don't know i mean i think it's so crazy. First of all, the media does a really good job of like portraying the messages they want to portray and then getting people to believe those opinions that they're portraying. They do like a fucking phenomenal job at it. Yeah, that's what we got to hop back to Sam Bankman fried in that regard. Yeah. So he, do you know any of this shit with him paying off the Democratic Party? No, tell me. I'm actually interested. It's crazy. It's crazy. He claims he like contributed bipartisanly, whatever, like to, de- to Democrats and Republicans. Um, his mom is like a big Democratic donor. Mm. And the ties here are insane there's like ties to russia and ukraine to the bahamas to his mom and the democratic party uh all of that is like concentrated in ftx and this guy's clearly politically protected yeah because he i'm not saying he did the same thing as bernie madoff but he took a lot of people's money yeah and he completely betrayed their trust mm-hmm. and he did all of the wrong things at least he can't be on CNBC getting normalized. Mm-hmm. And so like now it seems like there's this political strategy. They're trying to push to get, it off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and to say that it was like, oh, it was a mistake. It was this. He didn't. Uh, no. That guy has got to get fucking fried. Well, it's like, yeah, you think he's that. a liar. He's a liar. I don't know. How do you <laughs> yeah. know if somebody's a liar? I don't know. I can't prove he's a you liar. Prove that they lie. I mean, I, yeah, I can't prove it. But um I don't think he's being honest about any of this stuff. And I think he's in collusion with some very powerful people that are trying to normalize him. Can you prove that he's telling the truth? 
Well, I, he does he, everything he says is doublespeak. If you watch any of his interviews, it's mumbo jumbo yeah. jargon. None of it. It's the Trump effect. He just he says so much shit that it's like it's what is word true, salad what is bullshit. Yeah, you can't tell what it's all what. technical terms. Yeah, and none of it is like somebody will ask him a, sick, a simple question: Did you take customer funds and transfer them to Alameda? Mm-hmm. And he'll speak for like five minutes. Yeah, he's like, well, go fuck yourself. It's a yes or no question, yeah. and everyone knows it is. You know, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to fucking dodge yeah. sweat out a question. Yeah, and he's been given all that grace by the people that he paid. Mm. Just well, it's shows because to, they have a lot of money in it, probably. And it's like yeah, oh, money well spent. Yeah, exactly. So they need to protect their investments and also what's the whatever's going on behind. So the now scenes. he claims he has four billion dollars, which can't be true, but what he says he does, and um. And if only he hadn't filed for bankruptcy, then all of this would be fixed. And he just needs the government to like somehow, I don't know, like let him get back to running the business. What the fuck? It's crazy. It's crazy how everyone is treating him with kid gloves. And I think he might be one of the biggest criminals, not because he's such a bad person, but just because he got into collusion and corruption by some really powerful people. I think he might be a puppet also of somebody else. Because there are some crazy connections here, dude. I'm yeah, like turning you know, into. You're right. There's definitely like a conspiracy theorist on this one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't know. I, yeah, there's definitely some weird. He's shit. definitely not some little autistic kid that we all need to pity. Yeah, that guy did some incredibly shady shit. It's also like the people behind it. You don't know the people behind these people making those decisions. And then it's also, yeah, there's a lot of shit. I think when Luna collapsed in March or whenever that happened, we were talking about it. When the price of crypto fell earlier this year, he was issued a massive margin call Mm. instead of just going bankrupt like so many trading firms did at that time and just taking the loss. He doubled down by stealing customer funds yeah. and collateralizing it to pay off his margin debts. That's crazy. And then when the market took a double hit, his, he, all those funds got vaporized. Yeah. And that's how, that's fucking nuts. During that dude. bank run, that's, during the bank run. That's yeah. what I think happened. That sounds like it's, it sounds like you're pretty. You I mean, a, I've been thinking about good, it. Yeah, you have a good good sense of what's going on or at least I don't you have know, a good man. guess you have a good guess i don't know where nobody knows that's the thing nobody actually knows yeah so we got to find out but it'll probably take a couple of years <laughs> that's nuts well hopefully i mean at least what'll come from it is that there'll be more trust and people because some people have their hands in it where it's like you're not going to stop using it because people have so much money in it already still regardless of like what's happened so if anything it's like oh new thing is going to be built and then it's like new institutions are going to be used. And then there's going to be new trading platforms that are just more reliable, more viable. I, and I those think the, are the, hi- ones are the hype train investment. is off the rails. You think permanently? Until there's value. I think, I mean, Bitcoin's still fucking 17 grand. Yeah, I think it can fall in half easy. I yeah? Think, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, but still, Bitcoin's still at four and a half grand. Yeah. But well, still... I'm not saying it's going to zero because there are so many people that would jump in. Um, exactly. People yeah. We're still going to adopt it. There's a couple questions with crypto. How much leverage is in the system? So how much fake money has just been injected in to like borrow? Because all that leverage, 
that's going to get drained out unless the Fed reverses course and turns the money printers back on, which they might have to do because apparently I don't know how we're going to pay our debts as a country next year. Yeah. Like it's pretty crazy. We can if the money printer turns on, but yeah. I don't understand all that economically enough to like actually. No, I'm not a big economics guy. Yeah. Either. Yeah. But I know that there are like ramifications from jacking up interest rates this high. Yeah, for, for sure. This or long. printing so many fucking dollar bills. Like the more dollar bills you have in circulation, the less each one is going to be well, worth. Well, now it's the opposite. We're sucking cash out of the system like at a tremendous rate really yeah through inter- through, through interest, interest rates and yeah like and that, because yeah. we're not buying as many bonds okay. through the that makes sense. federal reserve buying program yeah anyway none of it's that interesting but yeah. the the, the <laughs> point the, the point that i care about <laughs> at least with crypto is that um i still think it's the future because it's distributed trust and transparency and all these great things but i think it's going to have a really hard time for the next couple of years maybe not i'd love for it not to be that case but i think it's it'll... okay i think where it's going to be like we're moving to a digital age where it's like nfts is like the first primitive basic step where it's just art like that's the utility it's just like a pretty pl- picture to look at it you own it uniquely to your wallet address anyone who looks at your wallet can see the art you own it doesn't it's not in a house it can't ever burn down like it'll be there it's safe on the internet like those are all pretty cool value adds right to owning like an nft um well, it's only going to, that's like, it's just the technology is going to fucking grow. Like, let's take this, for example, where I was talking about the weird uh, ecosystem I was involved in on layer two, like Arbitrum ecosystem, where the uh, treasure DAO, where it's like play to earn. Yeah. Play to earn where it's like this coin magic just came out on Coinbase where it exists. Let's on, go magic. Yeah. It exists in the layer two <laughs> blockchain. And basically what it is, it's like gaming where it's like people play games with nfts and the nfts like say in call of duty you get a new skin now instead of you owning that skin only and nobody else can like really like look at it or only like purchase it or it has no value only to you now you can sell it on a a decentralized marketplace where somebody else can buy that skin so that's a basic premise of like what magic and the treasure doubt ecosystem is and that's only like continue to fucking grow yeah then it's going to be like okay now now you're into network effects in terms of value accumulation like the bigger it becomes the more valuable it is digital assets is digital age it's everything that's on the interweb it's going to ascribe some sort of value and it's going to be tied to a currency and you're going to be able to buy and sell and trade that freely yes yes yeah and the, you're going to get all of these different communities come out of that style that give you different rights and privileges within the communities. And there is no the question about the cryptopia. It's coming. Yeah. And it's, it's cool. It, or the crypto dystopia. How do, would you say that? Cryptos, crypto, crypto dystopia. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, because you can't make it cool. Yeah. But uh, of, of the government's central bank currency. I don't know enough about that to be scared. Yeah. But I feel like I should be scared, but I don't know why. I do, yeah, same. Oh, we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait. We'll see. The world's... In, I mean, if the technology gets there, if society can manage to keep its shit together, unless the world fucking falls apart, and then we'll all reserve, revert back to the Stone Age. But I think we're pretty safe here in Austin. We're pretty far from anything, you know? Like... Yeah. Maybe. I think so. You I just think, don't know. What? Really? 
a nuke could go off or something crazy. Nobody's going to nuke Austin. There's actually, well... Oh, I feel bad I even said the words. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. New York City, crazy shit happens. Crazy yeah, shit happens. Yeah, like you would go for bigger targets if you're going to use that. Well, also, there's some weird statistic out there. I don't know where it is. It's like the amount of people who have their hands into nuclear weapons, like there's a certain probability of like a nuke going off just because of the person in that position to fire that nuke could be in a place where it's like they're mentally off the rocker enough to yeah, push terrifying. that button. But that's like that's a that's a that's a thing that could happen. We need to solve that. Is yeah, that nukes are scary, dude. Well, we gotta solve that ASAP <laughs> for sure. Um, so, where can people find your comedy and what's going on? Like, where do you want to direct people in Austin? Yeah, just uh, follow me on Instagram. Ramin the MC R A M I N the MC. Just because, like, with my shows and stuff, like. There's always like changes going on, so you never know. It'll be a new venue, new place, new time. So you'll see like where my shows are at. Right now it's at Aura, 8 p.m. on Wednesdays, Austin Eastsiders, Thursdays. It'll be at the collaboratory by the time people are probably listening to this. But um, yeah. is there any threads we need to close up before we? I mean, we this you know we were everywhere. We'll there's so many talk. things. Okay. okay, let me just say because I don't want to get people. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. Let's consolidate it all. Um, I think Kanye West. Good guy, has good intentions yeah. at heart. I don't think he has any malicious intent. He's expressing his frustrations. He's saying a bunch of crazy shit. I think as a viewer of the audience member, I think you need to take accountability in terms of like what you're feeling. And if you don't agree with what he's saying, choose not to take offense and walk away. Don't give him as much power um, by feeding into the negativity and just like perpetuating the cycle of negativity. So there's that. That's what I think on that is ultimately like he's making fun of Jews. It's not good. It's not great. It's not good, but uh, yeah. don't, don't get your panties in a bunch because of it. Now, I, I agree that he's venting. He's just venting. Moving on. Comedy. Doing that thing. Going to keep doing it. Come see my shows. Follow me on Instagram. I mean the MC. It's only going to get bigger and bigger and better. Um, what else do we talk about? Cryptocurrency. We're in a bear market right now. Yeah. We're in a bear market. That's oh, the totally. one that's going down. The bull's going to yeah. come back. We've both been a part of the crypto space for the past like four years. Crypto's been... Over 10 for me. It goes, yeah, it goes up and down. Right now it's down. It's People are going to keep using it. It's going to come back. If anything, people are scared. Now's the time to invest. When it's- I don't know. I mean, I think it could be a while, but like it Spend depends. Spend all your money it on depends. It depends. I, I would just cost out dollar Throw cost average in. Dollar coin. cost average into crypto. It's going to be great. That's actually way better financial advice. Yeah, probably DCA, dollar cost average into crypto, Bitcoins, Bitcoin, Ethereum. Okay. Yeah, I expect it to be a year plus before we fully figure out all of the impact from ftx yeah because sbf just to add to this conclusion uh sbf bought a ton of crypto companies in this buying spree post luna so luna token collapses you have all of this uh um i can't remember the companies involved in that but you have all of these companies that get threatened block by for example that just went bankrupt they got threatened okay now sbf comes in at that time I think also with the collateral of the, of the customer funds. I think he took the customer funds and went on a shopping spree. That's your speculation. Crypt- that's total speculation. Yeah. All of this is speculation. But like, where did he get all that money? Because that's what everyone was wondering yeah. in that time. It's like, where the fuck did this guy get all that money? You're honestly probably not wrong. You're probably on well, the nail on the head, honestly. We were trying to figure out where he got all that money at that time. <laughs> Who knows? We'll figure it out. And so, yeah, we'll figure it out. So, but uh, if the contagion is high and lots of companies 
companies fail, the VCs and the institutions are going to pull out and stay out until there's regulation. Governments move slow. That stuff takes years. I think that's when, and then all that time, crypto will be accruing real world value and practical applications and won't be as speculative. Yes, yes, And that's when we'll see the $100,000 Bitcoin. Agreed. Agreed. But it so might be closer it's still to coming. The future's coming. Be prepared for it. Comedy, just be consistent. It's very fucking hard. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my best. Slow You're growth. doing so much shit. shit. It's going to take so a while. so much good shit. It's going to take a while. Probably like, I feel it. Because again, you have to be a better host. You have to be a better comedian. You have to be a better producer. There's so much shit that goes into it. It takes a long time to be A, good at it. B, find yourself people who are like consistent and who are competent enough to keep it going. Like there's a lot yeah. of good shit that needs to happen. Um, so respect for all the people out there trying to do this shit. It's but you build up easy. the momentum and you've got a ton going. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. You just yeah. got to keep it going. So that's good. Follow me on Instagram. Send me, Venmo me, like all every, all the dollars. Yeah, what's your account. Venmo? <laughs> yeah, yeah so shout out your Venmo. <laughs> I think it's Ramin-Mushgani-95. Uh, you'll type on my name and then people will be able to see it. Very cool, man. Well, thanks yeah. for spending the time and talking about all this crazy shit. Good luck to Kanye West. Good luck to Hey, I'm rooting for you. I'm, yeah, I'm we're still listening to your you. music. You still, listen, if, as long as you don't kill a Jewish person, I'll still listen to your music. His music is undeniable. <laughs> Just don't hurt anybody. All right, thanks, guys. Peace out.